live. There you go. Now we are. <laughs> we are live as always. Uh, so welcome. My name is Jacqueline Mejias Fuertes, and I am the host of Talk of Success, which is a podcast uh, made by the New Jersey Small Business Development Center at Brookdale Community College. And today I have an amazing guest and a friend, colleague, uh, someone who I we actually partnered with um, very recently, and we're going to get into that, Abram Maldonado. We're going to get to him very shortly because he is an amazing young man doing amazing things um, in different neighborhoods and cities, um, really bringing them up to the 21st century, which to me, I know many of you heard, have heard me speak and say, you know, I love technology, but I don't want to be the one behind it. Like, that's why we come to a shared universe and we let them do this thing for us where they do everything. All I have to do is put on a headset, you know, and talk into a mic and I'm good to go. So as always, let me tell you a little bit more about our podcast so you know what you're getting yourself into. So we are streaming live. Um, you will hear from us on Facebook, but you'll find us, I believe, on iTunes and Spotify, if I'm not sure. And um, Christian can always correct me if I'm right or wrong on that. But the purpose of this podcast is really to provide entrepreneurs and small business owners with the insight and the empowerment and the motivation that it takes to get them from not just the idea place, but to actually get the business going, you know, to help them find the education they need so they can get their business going, as well as helping them on their entrepreneurial journey in any which way we can. And that's what we do in general at the New Jersey Small Business Development Center. For those of you out there who may not be familiar with the organization, we are a nonprofit organization. We are funded in part by the SBA. No, we are not the Small Business Administration. We're actually the small, uh, New Jersey Small Business Development Center, and we're part of a national organization called America's SBDC. So here in the state of New Jersey, there's actually 12 centers, and I like to call them my sister centers, where we provide assistance to all 21 counties. So our particular center here at Brookdale Community College, and I say at here at Brookdale, because Brookdale is our host institution, we cover Monmouth and Ocean County. So depending where your business is and depending where you live, you can decide where you want to receive your assistance from. So if you live in Monmouth County, but your business is up in Essex County, well, then you would visit our sister center that would cover Essex County. So the podcast itself, I mean, it's been around for over a year already, which I find really interesting. Exactly. Uh, we... Yeah, it, it is. And I'm happy that it's still going and that we enjoy it, bringing entrepreneurs uh, to a platform where they could talk about their experience, because I do feel as an entrepreneur that we learn a lot from each other. It's part of, I guess, falls under the umbrella of mentorship for me. So anything that you could learn or anyone that you want to connect with on any of our podcasts, always reach out to us at the Mammoth and Ocean Small Business Development Center, which is New Jersey Small Business Development Center at Brookdale Community College. We actually have, a, what do they call it? Um, why, why am I drawing a blank here? Um, another name, but what is it called when you have another name for your company? <laughs> I'm drawing a blank, known yeah. as, you know, um, also yeah. known as. DBA. Uh, yeah, DBA. Thank you. Well, <laughs> so that's it. 
So we're also known as basically the Mammoth and Ocean Small Business Development Center, as well as the New Jersey Small Business Development Center at Brookdale Community College. So the podcast format itself is a mixture of both interviews and business content. And the business content that we provide comes towards the end of the segment in a piece where we call Did You Know? And it's just a place where we're going to talk about resources and opportunities that will exist. But before we get to those resources that are critical and are extremely helpful to small business owners and entrepreneurs, we always like to bring our guests um, on. And the guests, we're always looking for those individuals who have gone through an entrepreneurial journey, that they have a lot to share. Because once again, I do believe we learn from each other. So, so with Abram... I am going to hand it over to my amazing guest. But before I do that, Abram is the owner of Creative Labs. And he has done one of the things that I do hope you touch on is what you've done, especially during COVID. And I know I didn't start off with that, but I do hope everybody is in a safe place and that your business was able to pivot during this time and that you're just looking for new ways on how to manage your business. But with that, I give you Abram Maldonado, um, colleague, friend, and we're are going to definitely talk about a partnership that we had going on earlier this year. So, yeah. Abe, come on, come on in, Abe. Uh, introduce yourself. Give us a little bit more about yourself. I like having my guests talk about themselves. Sure. Uh, well, cut me off whenever I'm uh, <laughs> because I've gone through a lot. I've, I've seen a lot. Um, I can make it as brief as possible. Um, I started so born and raised in New York City uh, in uh, the Lower East Side pre-gentrification. Um, and I grew up in a very community active um, environment where there was a lot of uh, social services, a lot of time at youth centers. So I saw what it was to like learn and and, and provide support to people who, who needed early on in my life. Um, moved to New Jersey around high school age, middle school, high school age, and uh, was still that that rugrat running around, for, you know, from the city. I made friends with the other Puerto Rican kids who came <laughs> over from New York City. You know, we found each other, um, and I'm still lifelong friends with those guys. Um, wait, wait, I want to cut you off for one thing because yeah. you mentioned a place in New York City, which I'm also yeah. from pre-gentrification and it's called the Lower East Side. For us, it's yeah. LES yeah. because that is where we're from. But everything Abe is talking about, and I call him Abra versus Abram. Yep. And it is part of my upbringing as well. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to throw that in there before I totally forgot about it. So go ahead. So the, the new caveat that I learned, not to sidetrack, but my mother's moving to Florida and my mom made archive folders for each of the kids, right? So she, cause she's packing and she's like, all right, here's your stuff. So <laughs> on top of the photo album, she gave me my file, right? Mm -hmm. My mom file on everybody, like freaking X-Files. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through my file. And I found out that she did like psychiatric evaluations, not really psychiatric, but like intellectual evaluations on me because she felt like I was gifted and talented and was trying to find like a gifted and talented school down there. And so she had me, uh, they had run tests on me. They they did my IQ when I was like five years old. They were trying to get me into the UN school. So she had me hopping around the LES into different like, now this is like pre-charter school into like mm -hmm. experimental school. And it was interesting, right? Uh, some were great, some were not so great. And then the gang started to recruit me and she was like, all right, that's it. 
we want a jersey, right? So <laughs> now, um, but a lot of those things stuck because she had, you know, in the, the Lower East Side was known for after school, you're going to the boys club, after school, mm-hmm. the girls club, you're going to like the youth center, right? You're going to other programs to stay off the street, but those things stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so Create Labs was almost kind of like a remnant of that and just trying to recreate what that was back then for now, but for the 21st century. Um, so in between there, I you know I went to uh, St. John's University in Queens. Uh, I was a music communications major. I got into the music business early. So I, my first job was in music. Uh, my first job was actually in Hot 97. And my first life, my first career was in the music industry. I like the way you say first career. How old are you? Yeah. Think of your, yeah. my little brother and look yeah. at you, your first career. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just working on my second and you're in your first career. It was in your teens. No, that's going to be part of the theme here of <laughs> careers and becoming different versions of myself. Go ahead. So uh, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt, but I just. Um, <laughs> just I went from the music industry <laughs> to education because I was a Gates scholar through all this. So I was nominated as one of the first Gates scholars. So Bill Gates gave a billion dollars for full scholarships. Um, I got one of those in the first year of the program back in 2000. Um, But in order to continue and go from your bachelor's to your master's and PhD with that funding, you had to pick one of five areas that the Gates Foundation wanted you to focus on. Music business was not one of them, spoiler alert, right? (laughs) So I had to pick education to keep going mm-hmm. with funding and just took all everything that I learned from entertainment, brought it into the education space. And then I became that guy that would teach teachers on how to engage their students through entertainment. I turned that into a website. I turned that into a learning platform called New School. And that's how I got into tech. And that's where I'm at now. It's amazing. I mean, but you know what? Everybody. Yep. It's never a straight line. That's no, one of the things I've realized from everyone that I've talked to on our podcast for my own life as well, that it's never a straight line. You may think you're going to go from A to Z and that you're going to go through every single letter in the alphabet. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to skip, you're going to hop, you're going to jump, you're going to miss some things that don't pertain to you. You know, you think you're going, your life is headed in a certain path. And it's going to change. It's not going to be exactly what you think it's going to be. But one of the things that you that I know that you've done is that you've worked with cities. And mm-hmm. I would like you to, you know, go back and tell us a little, because that is part of your whole entrepreneurial journey and what that tech aspect, because now you did it for your teachers, right? So now you're going, what else, you know, beyond that? So yep. you did it for your teachers, but then you started doing it for cities because that's how we kind of connected on the project that um and the project that we did was a long branch um innovative accelerator project with the city of long branch and abe and i will definitely get into that but go ahead abe keep on keep on going about yourself in business <laughs> so um i had to give the entertainment context because what i did after new school so new school was the first education platform that i launched and after that i realized that i was in a very unique space as a person of color as a as a puerto rican male in the tech ecosystem, trying to raise funding, dealing with investors. And there weren't a lot of black and brown folks around like me in the space. So I went to one of my partners, Grady Spivey, who was very accomplished in the music world, working with a lot of top tier celebrities that you know. And I said, look, bro, me and you got to come up with something that's going to help us connect with, um, with cities 
that'll open up the pipeline, right? They call it the pipeline. Open up the mm -hmm. way for other folks that look like you, that come from where you come from to get into where you are, right? Um, he was already connected. He was a contracted um, brand ambassador for the public hospital system for New York City. And that was our first entrance into partnering with New York City. Um, he was a global ambassador. He brought in other celebrities to partner with these hospitals and do social entrepreneurship events. They would do like uh, gun buybacks. They would do murals in buildings. Um, and he said, all right, I'm going to walk you up to like the president of all of the hospitals in New York City, tell them about Create Labs and, and let's see if we could do something. They loved the idea. And then somehow, some way we got connected to the new CTO of New York City that the mayor brought over from San Francisco. And the CTO runs technology for all of New York City. Um, so we got partnered with the office of the CTO, the mayor's office of the CTO stands for MOCTO. Um, and we were helping them bring technologies into underserved communities around New York City um, and saw that, all right, we would put together a community board, they would identify a problem, and it was up to us to try and find the technologies that would solve those problems. Um, and that opened up the door for obviously other cities that saw what we were doing with New York to help them. And I would say at a smaller scale, but you know, when you're dealing with smaller cities, or, or towns and municipalities, you're not always dealing with the same red tape that you are with like a New York City, right? So I knew that we can get some things pushed through quicker and with more buy-in with the city like Long Branch than with the big behemoth of New York City, you know? And I found you and I found <laughs> you and I was like, bet, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> And we did, we, we ended up creating an amazing partnership. But before we get into that, one of the things, um, when did you know you wanted to go into business for yourself? Yeah. I mean, Ooh. you know, bringing your history, your experiences growing up, when did you know? Like I knew really early on that at one point in my life, I was going to own my own business. Yeah. You know, it may not be forever, but I knew it was something that I wanted to try that I wanted to do. So for you, when did that occur? You know, when did you know that you wanted to go into business for yourself? So my mom put the bug in our ear as kids. It was about five of us in the house. And she said she was big on like rich dad, poor dad. Um, mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, between us, we should all start like 10 businesses. And I think that was one of the lessons from from that series of that you should try 10 businesses in your life and one of them will, you will right? Another mistake. <laughs> she was like, all right, between the five of us, let's start 10 businesses, right? You, 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 you. <laughs> one of them's gotta stick. Right. So, God bless your mom. <laughs> yeah, right? Hustler, oh, the, the hustle blood came from. But, you know, I, I was a teacher. I, mm -hmm. I, I worked in music, I, I worked jobs. I It wasn't from jump, but then, mm -hmm. Um, I left the classroom to do the PhD. And then when I was doing the PhD, I started to realize that I have unique access to knowledge, unique uh, skill sets that I can sell that's a commodity, right? That would bring me more as an entrepreneur than it, as it would as a as an employee. Mm -hmm. um, so I started to you know market myself, market the knowledge that I had. And at that time, what was unique is that I had unique knowledge about the entertainment industry and unique knowledge about the education world. And I combined the two and I sold that as a package on student engagement. Cause I was like, look, I know how to make your kids buy CDs and I know how to make your kids learn. 
And if you want me to teach you the tricks, hire me to do a workshop or to public speak. Um, so I started there and then it just started just pivoting, right? Mm -hmm. First it was in person. Um, one of my early contracts was actually in Old Bridge, uh, Old Bridge Middle School, Carl Sandburg Middle School. Mm -hmm. um, they, they hired me to do like their anti-bullying research. And we did a music video with the kids. We did a whole rap thing with the kids. It went viral. Um, and I was like, all right, six weeks per school, that's not scalable because there's 52 right. weeks. If I spend six to eight weeks at each school, I can only, my, my number of schools is finite, right? Mm -hmm. So how do I scale this, do it on an online gonna make it? and then I get schools from all over the country that, so then took that same model, applied it to create labs, do one city, then scale it from multiple cities. And then, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. Well, technology does play a role in, especially in your businesses. Yeah. Because as technology is changing, which I always tell everyone, you know, technology is reframing how we do business in all aspects of business. It doesn't matter if you feel your your business uses technology. It does. In some capacity, it does. So clearly, you know, based on what you're telling us, it definitely occurred and technology played a huge role. I know it did for me. If it wasn't for technology, I would not have been able to create my own business. Because I would not have been able to afford the equipment that was necessary. Technology made the equipment smaller, affordable. I was able to purchase it. Had it stayed on that commercial huge scale, I would never be able to do it. So same, I see that the same scenario with you. So yeah. in, in talking about that, I know you have a family. You have a beautiful, beautiful family. And as having a family, because I know that I had to, to go through sacrifices, but actually my sacrifice to start my business was for my family. As a mom, to me, it meant a great deal to be home with my children. And it was a transition that we were going through. The company I was working for was leaving the state of New Jersey. I was not going back to New York. So I said, "Is do it or this is it, you know, this is the opportunity for me. I had to do it or I don't. So I did, so I could, it afford me the opportunity to be home when my kids got home from school. Mm -hmm. Didn't mean I did not miss the, all the soccer games, you know, yeah. there were still soccer games that I missed. But that being said, um, what did you have to sacrifice to get where you are today? And what's your feeling about that? Do you, you know? Yeah, so when I transitioned out of the classroom, to the PhD, um, they said, they're like, look, you really can't do a PhD and work full time. So you're, you really have to devote yourself to this. Um, and that was a conversation that I had with my wife and she said, you know, go for it. So I had to, you know, stop working full time. She was the breadwinner. Um, she still is in a lot of ways. And a lot of people don't know when you, when you're married, your first investor is your spouse, right? Like, you know, I can't, I can't do any of this without my wife buying in first. Because after the PhD, she was like, all right, what are you, what are you doing with this PhD now? Or, you know, where are you going now? Are you going to be a professor or are you taking this on the road with your business? And I'm like, no, I'm taking this on the road with my business. <laughs> all right. Are we funding this? Are you getting an investor? And I was lucky at the time I was in, accepted into Tech Launch, which is the state of New Jersey's official, first official accelerator, tech accelerator. So mm -hmm. I was accepted. I did get some seed capital through that program. So she saw the momentum and she was like, all right, well, you don't have to take off a full-time job yet because you have you know, this investor. 
So cool. So then when I transitioned out of new school to create labs, she was like, all right, well, you're doing both. You're doing new school and create labs. Mm-hmm. Which one has more momentum? And we had a sit down. We had an executive boardroom sit down <laughs> at the dining room table in our house. And she was like, run the numbers for me and tell me which one has more momentum. Mm-hmm. And you can only pick one. You know, she was like, you can't do both and be a dad and, and do everything. So I had to sacrifice new school. I had to dissolve new school and kind of let that one go to be full in on Create Labs. And so far it's been paying off. And she said, you know, I see the potential of this one more than I did with the other one. Right. And and so far it's been proving true. So, you know, I did have to sacrifice. We as a family had to sacrifice, you know, obviously money that I wasn't bringing in, not working mm-hmm. full time. And with the success of Create Labs, I had to sacrifice new school. And I told you that like <laughs> the timing wasn't great for that because new school was an online learning platform. Right. <laughs> never a time for an online learning platform. It's now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whoop. Oh well. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. What are you gonna do, right? <laughs> you know. That's cool. Now, in terms of as an entrepreneur, we all know that we go through some mistakes. You know, I, I believe that we learn from our mistakes and it's constant. I don't think it's something that you go, oh, you know, I'm never going to commit another mistake again in my life. But as entrepreneurs, I know that there are mistakes and that is definitely a given. And it's a significant lesson that we learn. What have been the most significant lessons that you've learned that you're saying, you know, what mistake, but boy, did I learn from that? You know, it, it's gotten me to another place right now because of that mistake or that error, you know, that I've been able to propel myself even further. Yeah. Um, I know I make you think on this show. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, there have been some, I don't know if there have been mistakes, but just decisions, right? Like you, the decisions kind of take you on a new path and, you know, you are where you are based on those, you know, deviated paths. Um, one of the early ones, you know, that scholarship, that Gates scholarship, I think computer science was one of the tracks that I could have picked <laughs> early on, yeah. right? Oh, but, boy, you could have been doing apps like crazy. Yeah, right? <laughs> but no one knew in 2000, you know, where, what, it, was going. Where, where it was going, right? Mm-hmm. No one knew in 2000, 2005 where it was going. You know, I decided to pick education instead of computer science. So I could have known, learned how to code mm-hmm. years, right? And now here I am trying to teach myself how to code rather than having the formal training. Um, yeah, but think education is something that's always, will always be here. I mean, what we've realized now with everything that we're going through, um, COVID-19, is how the educational system has to, had to pivot, not has to, but had to pivot, you know, and how we're continuously changing, as you were telling me that you're teaching your young ones at home. And I said, you guys deserve a medal because had I had to homeschool my kids, yeah, I don't know who would come out alive, you know, me or them. I don't know. It would be a toss up because I, I don't have the patience for that. So um, well, I mean, all this education training has got to pay off somehow, right? <laughs> I get on my own kids, then what, what, what am I doing? True, true. But like I said, I, I'll help them at home, but to think of doing that all, you know, for yeah. such a chunk of the day, I, I don't know that I have that in me. I have to be honest with, with myself. I, I can teach adults. Yeah. I'm good with teaching adults. But I would yeah. say it's, it, it is easier, more of, uh, we have more freedom creating our own schedule rather than trying to stick with like a teacher's Zoom schedule. 
you know, somebody want to kind of balance it, working from home and mm-hmm. doing everything. You know, like if we want to, if I need to take a break because I'm doing meetings from, you know, 12 to 2, and then we pick up again at 2, and then we go outside to the park or do a science thing or go to the aquarium, then that's what it's going to be, you know? And then we have the whole day. The other mistake, I think, was on the founder of the, the co-founding relationship with your businesses. Uh, when it doesn't work out with your co-founder, um, they're like marriages with prenups, right? And we didn't have a prenup the first time, and we had to get with legal. School? Was that with New yeah. School? Or with, yeah. yeah, with New School. He, you know, due to, you know, personal reasons, he had to pull out of, of the business and he owned 50%. Um, and well, 45 because the accelerator had 10. Um, my baby, my baby. <laughs> um, so our lawyer had to pull back like mm-hmm. a big, not all of it. We had to leave him with some, um, but as much of it as we could. And with him not being involved, he was like a silent equity holder in the back end, wow. right? So. I would say if you have a founder that you trust, you you know when you don't know business, you automatically just go in 50-50, right? Without looking at how to quantify the sweat equity and what value they're bringing to the table or who started it first, who came in second, right? Or setting milestones for uh, how a person can earn equity. Um, but when you just start out like, yo, we're doing this together. You got, I got 50, let's go. And, <laughs> it know. doesn't work like that. I have to tell you, that's us as the SBDC telling you, no, 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 we're not doing that. You yeah. know, we're going to break it down. We want to make sure that's an agreement that everybody understands what they're bringing to the table, you know, what the partnership is all about. And if for any reason it has to be dissolved, you know, what are the reasons that it could be dissolved? What are the options that go along with it? You know, that's where I have to say the SBDC definitely comes in to really help you. Like you said, it is a marriage. And I tell that all the time to my students when I'm talking about creating a business that I said, yes, it is a marriage and you need that prenup because the divorce can be ugly. No divorce is ever pretty. And when you're breaking up a partnership, it's never a, a beautiful thing. So, you know, you have to know what is it that you are entitled to and if you're walking away for whatever reason, whether it's personal issues or not, what is it? What's your responsibility behind it? Because you can't leave the other person high and dry and think it's okay just because you can't manage it for personal reasons. So we definitely take you down that road in the SVDC to yeah. make sure you understand, yes, what is it that you're getting yourself into? Because I love when people come in and I said, and no offense to couples and married couples at that. I'm like, I could care less that you're married. I still want you to have, you know, a partnership agreement and understand, you know, who are the partners, what roles you play and what roles you play on, on a personal level is totally different than the roles you're playing within the business organization. So I, that that's a huge point. So Brent, thanks for bringing that to the table. Because I don't think we've ever really discussed that before, but that is a huge point. And I can tell people, you want that prenup. This is one place you definitely want the prenup. And everybody at the table should really want to have one. Mm-hmm. You know, non-optional, as I say. Yeah, you're putting this together, you're developing your partnership, your LLC, that document has to be in hand and should definitely be reviewed by an attorney, preferably separate attorneys. So this way, you know, everybody's interest is being looked at and reviewed independently from each other. Yeah. So that's that's sure. pretty, 
that is that was that's huge you know um, so now what are three action items that you would recommend and why you're thinking of someone who's in business or even because i love the one you talked about um the whole partnership because i think mm -hmm. to me that's a huge recommendation but you can't use that one now because you already threw it out there so now you have to come up with three others okay. now, this is a professor in me making you struggle a little more <laughs> yeah um well i would say the first one um and this is the educator in me mm -hmm. uh, learn how to learn right be a, a lifelong learner um, and knowing how to learn things uh, is about self-awareness. You got to learn like what's your learning style? What's your preferred learning style? Are you a YouTube video person? Do you like to read? Do you learn by doing? Um, do you need a person-to-person -person coach or do you like the classroom setting? Um, but you have to figure out what your, your style is and don't think that what you learned in high school or even in college is gonna be enough to get you through, especially when you're doing a business, right? So that's the first one, learn, learn how to learn. Learn, your learn le how to learn, learn how to learn. I like that, learn how to learn. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, the second one, hold on, I took notes. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll give you credit for that, you took notes. <laughs> uh, definitely um, on the networking tip, find people smarter than you, find, uh, Find people that um, can be uh, advisors who know things about uh, different specialties. Um, you know, if you are going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be uh, the head of the company, sometimes you might decide you're not going to be the head of the company, right? Mm -hmm. like if you're, so they call them now, I just actually grabbed a book um, called Range. Um, why who, by who? who, by uh, who? David Epstein. Right? Okay, cool. So I haven't started it yet, but it was recommended by another entrepreneur. Uh, why generalists triumph in a specialized world. So there's generalists and specialists, right? When you're in your leader as an entrepreneur of a business, you're usually the generalist, mm -hmm. right? And then you outsource and contract and hire a bunch of specialists to focus on different areas. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're that generalist, you need to humble yourself and learn from the specialists that you're gonna bring around you um, or decide, are you better suited as a specialist? And should you hire a generalist to lead your company for you? So that would like, if you're a, if you're a, um, a crafter, right? Mm -hmm. Like my wife loves to craft and I see a lot of people start with like, you know, they're making custom furniture and things. But if you're a woodsmith, right? If you're like a woodworker and that's your jam, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you do it so well, right? You do it so well, you just want to focus on that. You don't want to deal with bills. You don't want to deal with customers. You don't want to deal with marketing, advertising, creating your Facebook page. You might need to hire the generalist that's going to handle all that. So mm -hmm. you can focus on making good wood, right? Um, so yeah, hire smart people around you, whether they're going to be the specialist or the generalist. Oh, the generalist. Very cool. I like that. Specialist or um, generalist. So the third one, um, which is unique, I won't say not just to me, but especially to me, is reinventing yourself every few years. The rule is to reinvent yourself every five years. Um, and what I'm doing now is not what I was doing in 2015. What I was doing in 2015 is not what I was doing in 2010, 2005, 2000. Um, so I've learned new skill sets every few years, and everything that I'm doing now is based off of the skill set that I've learned just within like the last year. Uh, cool. 
Yeah. Reinvent yourself every five years. Huh? I never thought about every five years. I figured, yes, reinvent yourself. I had it like on a seven year thing though, but I think um, yeah, I would that, say, has, that has I would changed. Say five years ago, you would have been safe for seven years. Yeah, no, I, I think. Getting shorter. I think that's it because I'm looking at it and I'm going, hmm, I used to kind of fit that in with my seven year kind of window. Where am I now? What should I be doing or what do I want to be doing? Uh, But you're right. Reinventing yourself every five years kind of falls into the model. When you look at how many times are you going to change jobs, Mm -hmm. right? I remember when I entered the workforce People back then were thinking, I'm going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I know my first job, oh my gosh, I was there from the age of 18. I think I stepped out for a couple of years for another organization, came back. And I was there until, I don't know, my kids were, I don't know, I was like 38, 40 before I started doing something else. Yeah. So thinking of it, you know, and then things started changing. Um, 9-11 occurred, the recession, all that changed how we do things. And that's where things started coming in. And, you know, statistics showed that, nope, you know, individuals will have every seven years will change jobs or you'll end up with seven careers in your lifetime. Something to that effect. Is that millennials will have around 10 jobs in their career. Wow. So that went even more because I'm a baby boomer. You're the millennial. I'm a baby boomer. So that, wow. So, but it goes with reinventing yourself every five years. And I think a lot of that has to do with technology. Not, you know, you have to stay up on top of it. I was talking to a friend today and I said, you know, if you're not there, I don't care how old you are, you're going to have a difficult time to think that you could ease up on the gas you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you want to stay in the workforce, you can't. Yeah. So you know, that's you, what Create Labs focuses on now is the future of work. So we, mm-hmm. we're up, we're on, they call it the bleeding edge, right? There, there's the cutting edge and then the bleeding edge of things that are coming out with technology. Mm-hmm. We're paying attention there. And then we're turning around and telling our people like, look, you need to get up on this before it's too late. Because if you don't, it's coming. Home, then it's a wrap, right? Your job right. is in place, there's automation, there's a whole lot of things coming down the pipeline and we, we call it the work again. You don't wanna be mm-hmm. affected by the work again, right? <laughs> um, so we're like, we just saw that this is coming and a lot of companies are gonna be hiring for this. You need to train up and reskill or upskill on this, this new skill set. And if you don't, if you think you're still good off of what you learned at that vocational school, or what you learned 10 years ago, you are not, right? So don't get- Exactly. It's about not being comfortable anymore. I think we've gone beyond the point where we can assume that we could be comfortable and that it's okay. Things, it just, they don't stay the same and we can't- every five years for right now is a good metric for that. And five years from now, it might be two and a half, three years. Let, don't go there. That's way too fast. Yeah. <laughs> That's for your kids. Okay. By that time I should have grandkids and no, I'm retired. Right now for me, I'm learning a new skill like every year, right? Like wow. it's, it's that point now. And what I'm using is just what I learned in like the last two, three years. So. Yeah. I have to say um, by trade, I am a marketer. Um, that's where my focus is. And one of the things that I have been doing, especially during the pandemic, is making sure, because I also teach marketing at Brookdale, that I'm staying up to speed with marketing. 
And what I realized that a, the lingo is changing something still, it means the same thing, but the lingo has changed. And I'm like, I need to stay up with at least the lingo because it means the same thing. But if I'm talking to a generation and they're looking at me and I'm saying it the old way and they're going, how dated are you? You know, but understanding how, because of technology, how things are changing, what are the things that you have to look at and how to properly market yourself? Yeah. You know, it's, and it's becoming very, very specific as we move forward. So that is definitely yeah. key. I'm working with uh, Verizon on this ed tech project and they're asking my advice on like all this ed tech stuff. And I'm like, Jesus, that was like 2015. Like I gotta like try and remember all this stuff that I did five years ago yeah. in new school. And I'm like, dude, like, I don't know. I don't remember. That was eons five. Ago. five years ago. Yeah. Well, no, I think about it, especially now with everything that we're going to, you're like, how relevant is that to what's occurring now? And because we can't foretell the future, what's going to happen? It's like forecasting before was always made on models of the past. Yeah. Well, I am looking for those forecasting, those individuals that would forecast. Cause I'm like, what are you using now? What models are you using now to forecast? Because it's not what happened last year or this year. So how are you going to project project the future? You know, in terms of what could happen with the business or not, how are you going to forecast? So I really like that. I'm just going to repeat the three action items that you definitely recommend it. One is to learn how to learn. I, I think yep. that's great. I think we all have our own way of learning. And the sooner you know how you enjoy learning, because what I realized that especially now during the pandemic, one of the things that I did do was obtain my certificate uh, for online teaching. So I said, you know, yeah. I, I I started it years ago. I stopped because I was like, oh, I'm really not going to use that. Ha! Right? So fast forward. Yes, I there am. You, you know, yes, I am. So learn more about that and remote learning. And in that, it's how is asynchronized learning. And it's more about you teaching yourself. Because what I'm here to do is review what you didn't understand. But my job is to give you all the materials in the different platforms available that you need to help you understand the material, to, under, to help you understand the concept so you could put it into practice. So for you to learn, how do you learn? You don't have to learn like everybody used to, that everyone was set a certain way. And if you didn't learn that way, you were left out of the box, and that meant you had a learning disability, yeah. which is not necessarily the case. Now you can learn however you want now. Exactly. So the opportunities are there, which is great. And then two, finding smarter people. I always say I like being in a room with people that are way smarter than I am. If I'm the smartest person in the room, I feel cheated because it's, I'm like, okay, what is there for me to, you know, I want to listen. I want to hear what is it that I don't know? How is it that I can learn from someone? And you're right. The whole specialist and generalist, to me, that ideal, you know, and as a business owner, that's key because I do believe that business owners and entrepreneurs do. I think they start off with a specialization because I think that's their interest that gets them going and saying, this is what I want to do. And then they realize that they have to become a generalist and they're not always happy about that. Yeah. You know, they're like, what? I don't want to, I don't want to look at that accounting, you know, my financials. I want you to tell me where my numbers are. I don't want to have to look at it. I don't want to have to come up with a marketing plan. Yeah. I just want to create this widget 
or provide this service. This is why I created this business. So ideal. And then the reinvesting, inventing yourself, excuse me, five years. I, I'm just like, wow, five years, really? But you're right. Every five years, think about what is it that you're doing or where you're headed. Yeah. Because things are not staying the same. That's the only thing we can count on that things are not going to stay the same. And I've been saying that for years. That's the one and only thing you could definitely count on that things are not going to remain the same. Yeah. And don't be misled in thinking that that just applies to technology because as technology yeah. changes, your non-technical job is also going to change um, as a result and you will be impacted. As You're correct. And one of the things, um, as you know, and I may have mentioned on the show before that hopefully keep your fingers crossed, I will be finishing my dissertation. So (laughs) one day you'll see DR in front of my name. Right. Right. But part of part of that was that I had some expert um, individuals read a piece of my dissertation to tell me, am I on the right track, not on the right track? And one of the experts talked about the fourth industrial revolution and how it impacts um, my topic. And I read more into it just because it piqued my interest. And it's really about artificial intelligence and how we're living with it. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't think we're living with it, I don't know about you, but you see this this thing over here, this watch that tells me everything, you know, I could talk into it. It could set an alarm for me. It tells me uh, you have something going on. Why are you still talking and not moving? You know, to the point of Alexa, turn on my TV. You know, Google, am I in the right direction? You know, am I at the right address? Yeah. That's artificial intelligence. And it also works for the small business world, you know, to the point that you can actually set Alexa to tell you, Alexa, what does it take for me to turn a profit today based on what I did yesterday? Yeah. You know, so because that's where I'm at now when we talk about that bleeding edge, Mm -hmm. um, you know, developing and designing AI right now. And I'm part of a group of a few hundred people around the world that have access to this very powerful AI system. Um, and, you know, while I, I joined it and I said, look, I thank you for the access, but I want to do something around social impact because that's part of Create Lab's mission. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm seeing with AI is like out of this world. And it's not what I was doing a year ago. It's not what I was doing six months ago. So this is very, very recent in the things that I'm learning in just the last few months. And I have to say, I know I'm not sure you've ever categorized yourself as this, but you are definitely a social entrepreneur. You know, the more and more I take a, take a moment and read up on, you know, a social entrepreneur and you definitely fit the bill there. So as we're moving along, because believe it or not, we're up to like almost 40 minutes yeah. into the program. I Like I said, we can start and I know I'm a talker and anyone who knows me knows that. So conversation is always key. And I, it's an opportunity to learn from someone. So uh, you know, learning a great deal, even more about you, even though I knew a great deal about you already, Abram. But so as we're moving forward in this section is the, did you know? So here's where we're going to talk about some resources. One thing I do want to share in the, did you know, section before I go into what Abram and I worked on, meaning the small business development center, as well as Brookdale community college and the city of long branch this week, for those that don't know, it is national small business week. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because, um, for more than 50 years, the small business administration, 
organization has celebrated the National Small Business Week, in which it recognizes the critical contributions of America's entrepreneurs and small business owner. And as like any other year, you know, this year has been extremely special in that usually they select different individuals and they go up to the White House. Everything was done virtual this year. So, you know, it's always a challenge to find these individuals who, you know, really follow their dreams and follow their passion. So I know we're heading towards the end of the week, but I hope that whoever's listening to this podcast had an opportunity to receive our newsletter that we sent out Lately, it's been on a weekly basis because we're trying to keep you informed of everything that's available regarding COVID, but there was an opportunity to go to a conference that the SBA was offering and it was at no cost to you. So I really hope you did take the opportunity um, to attend the conference because it did provide a great deal of information. So again, helping to create 21st century jobs, you know, it driving innovation forward. That's what the SBA is all about because they are the advocate for the small business sis in the United States. So I just wanted to make sure I put that in there so that um, you were aware about this week being National Small Business Week. So we're going into what Abe and I worked on, not just Abe and I, but we also had Ed Johnson who has been on our show previously. we had the city of Long Branch and what else was it? It was, yeah, and Brookdale Community College. There we go. I'm like, what else was in the partnership? So it was a true private public partnership where we collaboratively got, you know, we got together and collaboratively we created a social impact initiative that was to provide the underserved population in the city of Long Branch with direct access and opportunities to key entrepreneurship and business skills. So we were able to do that. And even though we started the program, started last year in October, it was an accelerated program. And I'm gonna let Abe talk more about the difference between accelerator and incubator. But we, it was supposed to be an accelerator where you did it in 17 weeks. You went through our entrepreneurship program. You took classes within our digital blueprint certificate program. We squashed so many things into that 17 weeks that turned into 21 weeks because of COVID, but I have to say not even COVID stopped us from getting this program done. But so going back, this accelerated program first, you know, I'm going to step back even a little bit further. Abe, talk about the inception of the program because you were there way from the beginning. I know I came in when they started talking about the educational aspect of it and how the SBDC was able to contribute. So I've gone through uh, two accelerator programs myself with my companies and have been part of the startup accelerator ecosystem. One of our key partners with Create Labs is Techstars, which is one of the most well-known global accelerators um, in the world. And um, so I've been part of that world. I've been a mentor in other accelerators. I've been advising other companies um, and I've attended these pitch events. I've won pitches. So just knowing how that ecosystem worked and also staying, uh, also seeing how cities have been sponsoring accelerators and what that model looks like. Like for New, for instance, New Orleans, all a lot of these cities were trying to attract uh, unique and, and innovative companies to stay in their cities. So they would create pitch events and accelerators that would keep folks local. Um, 
So I met Ed at a Chamber of Commerce meeting and uh, we went back to his office and we had a good talk about what I did and some of the things, some of the ideas that I had for bringing these ideas to Long Branch. But one of the caveats that I was seeing, especially in New Jersey, is that the other accelerators that were popping up, they were so later stage. They were, you know, the one that popped up, you needed to have a million dollars in revenue before you got, even got into the accelerator. And it's just like, that's such, such an exclusionary idea notion. Mm-hmm. And it leaves so many early stage companies that need the most help. Like if you, if I have a million dollars in revenue, I don't need, I need you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't need you to jump on board at that point. Now you're right. just going for the ride. At that right. Point, right. So, so, so there were a lot of angels. They were like, yeah, it's an accelerator, but it was just them just latching on. So I was like, no, Ed, if we do something in Long Branch, it has to be early stage, right? It has to be for the folks that are just starting out. Um, so obviously that's when he looped you in and looped in Jake. And um, I had some, you know, good, you know, meetings with productive meetings with the mayor of Long Branch and with the administrator, George Jackson, I believe his name was. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and uh, and everyone was on board. Right. So everyone was on board. Funding was a little tricky at first, but, you know, we, we kind of pulled it together. And then you got really creative with pulling in the resources that we needed to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So it was so this program that started from an idea help 10 residents of Long Branch. Five of them had ideas, so they were in the idea stage. Five of them had businesses. And the goal behind it really was to make sure that whether it was an idea or it was a business, that by the time they went through the accelerator, they had accelerated their business or idea further along than when they started. And we definitely saw that with some of the businesses. And the goal really is to help those entrepreneurs and small business owners stay local. Because, you know, you make a million dollars, some people are saying, I'm out of here. You know, it's a distressed area. Why would I want to stay there? And you know what's interesting about our program? So the New Orleans one, they paid you to stay local. So you you could not receive the funding if you did not commit to staying in the city of New Orleans for six months or a year or whatever it was. I was going to say a time frame. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but with this one, we did not. We didn't bribe anybody. Like <laughs> they they want to stay local because they are committed to the city. They're from the city. Um, they want to stay in the crib, as they call it, right? <laughs> and they want to do for their crib, right? They want to mm-hmm. do for their city. And there was no funding attached to say, hey, we, you have to stay in the city um, in order to be a benefit of these resources. And it paid off. We found the right people. And that's, that surprised me the most. The, the applications that came through, the pitches that we saw um, on that stage, I was, I keep telling myself, I would not have known that this type of innovation existed in Long Branch had it not been for our event. Mm -hmm. You you assume with a beach town, with a beach city that you would have gotten a lot of hospitality ideas, a lot of, uh, food ideas, but the, the the span of ideas that we had come through um, had nothing to do with the fact that it was a beach town. And it's a, I know, I agree with you. They were so impressive from day one when they had to stand up and do their three-minute pitch where we had judges from the community come in to determine is this idea feasible, should they move on or not, to when they had to you know create their... Um, PowerPoints, once again, their presentations again, when they were done. 
And even with that, we're still working with them, making sure that they continue moving along and bringing that business forward um, to whatever stage they're in at the moment. So, I mean, for us, it was really something. And it just goes to show you what organizations, once you come together in a partnership, the collaboration, what the outcome could be. And, you know, for Abe and me, and I can say this, and it's not that I'm talking for Abe, but because, you know, he could talk for himself, but where we came from, that is part of what it was all about. Yeah. You're right. You know, it goes back to our beginnings, you know, and to me, they were pretty humble. It was okay. It was a poor neighborhood. I'm good. It was Alphabet City. Yeah, mom kept me in. You know, that was okay. Like you said, after school, you were going to a program. I went to one called Broad Jump when I was in grammar school. It was up on 86th Street on the east side. Wow. You know, because it was like out of the neighborhood. What else are you going to learn? Yep. And like you, I was gifted and talented. So they made sure I was in a gifted and talented program. Always ran the mouth. That was my biggest problem. My mother said, can you kind of keep it quiet, my lady? And I'm sorry to say no. So, but that was it, you know, but it was always about giving back. You know, one of the things that's coming up is our conference, the uh, America's SBDC conference. It's actually yep. next week. And this year they're doing it virtual. Usually we go somewhere and you have an opportunity to present a project. So Abe's and my project got selected, uh, the how to create and accelerate a project, you know, from what was it? Uh, implement, no, well, what did I call the title? I can't even think of it right now. Well, add it up too, from implementation <laughs> to, from idea to implementation. To implementation, I think it was, yeah. So, so along those lines that, you know, but definitely we broke it down. We created a blueprint for it. So this way, any other um, town that has an underserved population can actually take our blueprint and create their own accelerator. And it's about giving back to the community. One of the speakers, though, I'm not sure if you looked at the schedule for the live portion of it, is Nidia Velasquez. Do you remember her from? Yes. Ew. Wow. Yeah. So she is speaking on Tuesday. Um, at one o'clock. So um, you have access to it. Just the FYI, uh, if you want to catch her, because I was when I saw her name, I said, wait a minute. She's from the, you know, that goes, that takes me back and, home. What do Damon, Damon John, too, is, is the big keynote. Yeah. So with Damon John. So I've known Damon since like the industry, the music industry days mm -hmm. where we would do. So he's from Queens. Um, same neighborhood as Nas, like the 41st Street projects. And we would do turkey giveaways with him. Wow. Like, back when he was like the FUBU CEO. Mm -hmm. he, even when he was doing FUBU, he was like, all right, we're going to pull up this truck. We're going to go a bunch of turkeys. And I was working at Hot 97 at the time. So we'd have Hot 97 there and all the trucks giving away turkeys. And like where everyone is now from back then, you know, is is amazing to see. Mm -hmm. It shows, you know, we all have to take steps. It's always a path. It's a journey. It's all what you do within that journey. Uh, I'm a huge believer in this comes from my upbringing, that community is key. Giving back to your community is key. I try to raise my kids, always volunteering and giving back because, you know, we make up our community. So 
part of it is making sure that we're giving back, especially helping those that are coming up behind us. You know, so for me, being a regional director of an entrepreneur, the SBDC is not an entrepreneurship center, so let me back it up a minute. But being the regional director of the Small Business Development Center means a lot to me, simply because it does provide me an opportunity to provide education in the area of business development, which for me, my mom being a serial entrepreneur meant a lot to me. So I, I learned a great deal from her. And it's something I never thought I wanted to be a teacher in any capacity. Trust me. With my patients, I was like, ah, that that's <laughs> I don't think that's in my calling. But slowly but surely, you never know where your path is going to yeah. take you, where your journey is going to take you. And it's amazing when I know I've taught at Brookdale now for over what ooh, eight years now. Yeah. And when I've had students indicate or inform me that I've made an impact on their life, that the reason they kept on going with business was because of the class they took with me or the conversation they had with me or helping those individuals get over the hump regarding their business or figure out the problem that they're having and coming up with the strategy means a great deal. For me, that's giving back to the business community, which for us, we all know small businesses are the backbone of America. So without, without small businesses, especially here in the state of New Jersey, which by the way, in case you guys don't know, there's an article out there that says we're the fourth happiest place in the world. So I told my daughter, email it to me. I'll email it because I was like, are you sure? She goes, Hawaii is number one, but New Jersey is number four. So I said, I need to send that to some people out there That's to funny. see that we're living in the happiest, what the fourth happiest state of the United States. But what I love about where we live specifically is, is the reliance on small business. Like there's yes. so much small business out here that you start to find your favorite ones and you root for them mm-hmm. buy their merch and you wear their merch proudly and you follow them absolutely up to, them up to your friends and you like you don't buy any other products right like uh, one of the mentors that we brought to the program the shore hot sauce like mm-hmm. go to hot sauce right goes to rook she is a rooker right like our yeah friends, she they, is she's a she's amazing shirts on their Instagram page. Like, like <laughs> you jump on board. I know you do. You become a supporter of your local business. And um, in November, just remember small business, small business Saturdays, support your local business. I mean, we'll definitely be back next month. It is September during the summer. We were kind of spotty there, but we'll be back on a more frequent basis as time goes on, as we continue getting comfortable with this reality. I don't want to call it my reality or the new reality, this reality, I don't call it a new normal because no, it's not a normal. I don't know what the normal is going to look like yet. I'm optimistic. You know, I do believe that if we take care of each other, we will be fine. You know, wear your mask, wash your hands, um, stay safe, do what you have to do, you know, in terms of keeping your mind and body um, in a good place. Go out for those walks while it's still kind of warm, even if it's a little chilly in the morning. Make sure you stay healthy. So as we're coming to a close, Abram, anything you want to leave us? Any parting wisdom? Because uh, 
my brother here oh my gosh you know i have to send this to your mom and say be proud look look what you've raised oh my gosh be proud uh, this, this is this is a lot of fun uh jackie knows i i take every phone call you know people mm -hmm. call me all the time to help with their businesses and their advice and i'm always down to help I, I get a kick out of it my wife gets tired of me always hanging out with the business owners anytime we go somewhere with the kids like do you need help with funding you know <laughs> with your supply um um it, it's it's fun for me uh it's mm -hmm. a lot of fun and um you know for a lot of people they feel like it's a reach to to be an entrepreneur you know don't feel like you know if you feel like you need to take a job do it there's no shame in having a job and a small business doing it at the same time you know i really want to get rid of that that uh that notion that stigma of like oh if you take a full-time job you failed as a business absolutely um, not your life situation is your life situation. I have four kids. I will take anything that comes my way and <laughs> at the same time. Um, so just, yeah, but don't make excuses. Uh, you can do it. Don't say that, oh, I don't have time. If you have time to, I said in another show, if you have time to binge a 12 hour Netflix show, you can build an app, right? It, it's the same amount of time. Um, so just don't make excuses for yourself. That That is so true, Abe. You know, don't make excuses. If you want to do it, do it. You're right. There is no shame. You have to take a part-time gig while you're still getting your business off the ground. You're not going to be the first, honey. There's a lot of people out there. They have, that's what I call side hustles. You know, we have them. It's for a reason. You're going to do whatever you need to do. It's like this, this show is called the talk of success. And one of the things about success is that it's individual. It's up to you how you define your success. You know, what I feel my success was while I was running my business or in my life personally is mine. It's no one else's. So you're going to define your level of success. You're the one that's going to determine it. And it's whatever it's going to make you happy. So remember, talk of success. Your success is yours. is no one else's. Celebrate each and every one of those little steps that's getting you to where you want to go in life. All right. So with that, Abram, thank you again uh, for coming on this show. This was great. Thank you for that great information and especially those three action items. I love them. And for all of you, remember to come back and see us again. So today uh, we did this in the evening, which is a different one for us. We usually do it in the morning. So if you're watching this on Facebook, uh, definitely comment on the box if you like, and we will definitely respond to you because it is being taped today. So with that, I wish everyone a safe night, a great evening. And remember once again, wear your mask, wash your hands, six feet distancing, do what you have to do to make sure that you protect yourself, your loved ones, and your community. So with that, have a great evening. And Abram, thank you. My regards to the family and tell them thank you for allowing you to do this. <laughs> <laughs>